0: Hey everyone, welcome to Evil Pudding, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Courtney. And I'm Patrick. How's everyone doing today? It's Friday. Yes, it is. They're hearing this on a Sunday, though, or whenever you listen because it's a podcast. Well, it's a Friday
1: for us, so yeah. I'm good. It's a good day because it's Friday.
0: Yes. It's going to be one of those crazy nights in bed by nine, reading a book, probably passed out by 10. One
1: of those wild nights of ours, yeah.
0: That's right. <laughs> But uh, how are you, Pat?
1: I'm good. Like I said, it's Friday. I'm good. I'm ready to do this. I'm excited about this one.
0: Yep. Me too. I'm excited too. But before we get to it. You sound
1: thrilled right now. My
0: throat is kind of sore. So if I sound kind of froggy, it's allergies. I'm having like some real issues with the pollen in the air.
1: Yep. I think we all are.
0: It's, It's in my throat. It's in my eyes. It's just one of those.
1: That's how of year
0: i know i hate it and i and this is on zyrtec too so oh good lord i know that's okay though i'm gonna power through it <laughs> you power through it Um, <laughs> uh, as always we're gonna share the love and shout out a podcast that we have found and have been loving make sure to hurry and subscribe to crime and crime again podcast love the name and you can find her anywhere you listen to podcasts, uh, YouTube included, which is nice. cool. We hope to get there one day. Host Chelsea Dean does an amazing job covering the lesser known stories that you most likely have never heard before. I love her spotlight on the missing persons, especially. Yeah,
1: that's really cool how she does that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So um, take a minute and listen to what she's all about. Hi, I'm Chelsea the host of Crime and Crime Again. On my podcast, I cover lesser-known true crime cases. I tell the stories
1: that you may not have heard before. Join me in bringing light to the stories of the missing and murdered, and being a voice when their own has been silenced. You can find Crime and Crime Again anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts.
0: So, our case today. Boy, oh boy. (laughs) I'm super excited for this one. It's a doozy! (laughs) Uh, Pat knows what it is because I couldn't keep this one from him because I had to actually purchase a book. I could not... Read the book online like I usually do, and you always
1: get excited to tell me ones that are a little off of our normal topic, yeah, are supernatural
0: ones. I e- guess you would. because mm-hmm. so, that's your favorite kind that's of. That's my
1: kind of thing. I geek out on that, so you're always excited to tell me when we have a when we have a crazy haunting type one or something like
0: that. I know. In this one, I feel like if you're from the U.S., I know we have some listeners that are not from the U.S. If you're from the U.S. and especially the South. Maybe not even the south. Like, have you heard of this? Because you're not from the south. Of course, I have. And if you're a fan
1: of movies and horror movies, you've probably seen much like we've covered the Exorcist. This is a very well-known, you know, supernatural haunting. Also, into an urban legend in some ways.
0: Folklore. Yeah, folklore. That's a good
1: word for it. Not urban legend. Folklore. It's 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 one of the top ones up there with Mothman and Jersey Devil and all those. Oh,
0: I would definitely say so. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So, years ago, I heard about this case, and I've heard the story told dozens of times, several different ways, may I
1: Always sold differently.
0: Um, and even saw a movie they made that was loosely based on our story today, and that movie is very loosely based, very much so, yeah. on our story today. Uh, the movie is called "An American Haunting" with Donald Sutherland. Great movie, by the way.
1: It is a great movie. It is no, definitely, but it's definitely loosely based. Yeah, on don't look,
0: don't look to it for factual evidence. No, lately.
1: no, they Hollywooded that one up for sure.
0: They did. Um, today, we're going to be talking about a haunting, as you may have guessed. And one of the most famous hauntings, here in the South at least, the legend of the Bell Witch. Yep. Yeah. Or the haunting of the Bell family, however you want to phrase it. This spirit, demon, entity, really whatever you want to call it, I'm still not sure what to call it, to be honest, hung around for years in a small Tennessee town in Robertson County. The Bell family... The members of the community, and as we will see, even a U.S. president—yeah, remember that part—referred uh, to this presence as a witch. But you got to remember that they thought that anything unexplained or paranormal was witchcraft back then. So,
1: yeah, we're knows? not too far removed from like the Salem witch trials. <laughs> yeah, we're like less, years later. Than two, yeah, less than
0: two—yeah, less than two hundred years later for sure. So, back in the early eighteen hundreds. Newspapers and such publications were very few and far between. So we mostly have have relied on the first-hand account of the Bell family, which is wonderful. I mean, I love first-hand accounts. That's That's the best source. It's better than someone
1: else writing a book.
0: For us researchers, right? And um, Richard Williams Bell, one of John Bell's sons, he was a member of the afflicted Bell family, of course. Uh, He was there, and later on, he... He journaled everything down, all of their experiences, and I read them. They're not easy to read because they just spoke so differently back then, but it's amazing. Um, But you can actually read his account. It's called Our Family Trouble. Which is a great, great title. name for it because it was our family's trouble.
1: That's some serious-ass trouble, too.
0: <laughs> um, it was written several years after the fact, but still to this day, it's considered to be the most accurate and informative account of the haunting. Well,
1: he was. If I'm don't, if i not mistaken, wasn't he just a, a kid or even a teenager at the time of this stuff? He so, was,
0: Yeah, he was younger. So, was younger yeah, it would have sure. taken
1: a few years for him to get deal with it and understand it and be able to recount and tell it.
0: I want to say he was, the. Se- we'll get to it, but I think he was the second youngest boy out of like nine.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, so so yeah. that's why it took a while for him to write it. He had to grow up, he had to reaccount it, make sure the family was good with him writing it and all that kind of
0: crap. Right. So this entity, wherever it came from, is thought to be wholly responsible for the physical torment of young Betsy Bell. But her father, John Sr., is said to have been the main target. It's also thought that this entity is responsible for, Ultimately, for his death. Um, After you listen to this whole story, you're going to be able to really make a good judgment call, I think, because I'm going to give you all the info I have. You are going to know everything you could ever want to know and more about the Bell Witch. (laughs) That's what we're here for. So, you ready? Yeah. All right, let's get going. Okay, first, before (laughs) we get into the fun stuff, it's going to be a quick history lesson with Courtney because this is important. I feel that this is overlooked when speaking about the actual haunting. It's not the fun part, but I didn't know any of this stuff and I really think it might explain where she comes from.
1: Well, it also, it also gives context to just like, you, you, did exorcist, just like yeah. you did with the exorcist, just like you did with the Salem witch trials. You have to give context to the to. time frame, from the history, from the, you know, how the, how the societal makeup is, all those, because it kind of plays context and what happens and how things are happening, whereas to us, it's like, why was that? What does that even mean, like, in our time? Yeah,
0: well, I was sitting with my mom the other day, and just what I'm about to tell you, I'm like, did I, did you know, but I know she wasn't around back then, but I'm like, did you ever hear about that in U.S. history? And mom's like, no. Oh, my God. I mean, it's just insane. Well,
1: also, obviously, history has been what we want it to be recorded and remembered. Right. You know, people, people absolutely steer certain things about history.
0: I, but I, I really feel like I'm I'm gonna learn y'all something new today. If you catch my drift, <laughs> you
1: don't kidding. have to go that far <laughs> You don't have to go that far south.
0: No, I won't. I promise. <laughs> but I do feel like everybody's gonna learn something new today because this is this is pretty cool. All my right. mind was blown. So let's get going. The Bell family received notice via courier at their North Carolina home that Tennessee had rich, abundant farmlands. It was even coined, and we've all heard this, the land of milk and honey. So the decision for John Bell, his wife Lucy, and their then only six children. Only six children. And their slaves, to make the move, there was an easy one. John Bell was a farmer after all. So they began their wagon journey westward in 1804. Now, here's a quick rundown of the Bell children that are here so far. There's going to be more. First, they had Jesse, the oldest. Um, Then they had John Jr. Then they had Drury. And then Benjamin. Then Esther, who was a toddler at the time. And finally, baby Zadik. There's going to be more later, but that's who we have so far. They landed with their train of wagons in the west end of Robertson County, Tennessee, where Adam Station is now located in May of eighteen oh five, where they met where they were met with a warm and friendly reception of familiar faces of friends who had migrated before them. So they already had lots of friends that lived there. Mr and Mrs. Bell purchased a nice home with quite a bit of land, good orchards, and a nice barn. About a thousand acres of land.
1: Yes, yeah, a good piece of land.
0: Along the Red River after all was said and done. Yeah. That's a huge amount of land. Yes,
1: that's about to say It's a large piece as of land. You,
0: as you can tell, if you can't tell already, they had money. They were not hurting by any means. The Bells quickly integrated themselves in the establishment of this brand new community. Now, John Sr. was a farmer, like I had mentioned, but he was also a very well-respected businessman. He would loan people money for various business deals around town. So they were not only a well-respected family in the community, but they were very well off. By no means were they struggling financially. John Bell and his family would eventually join the Red River Baptist Church, which he helped to build with his own two hands, and would become a church elder there as well. The Bells, of course, attended every Sunday without fail, as everyone else did. In January of 1806, roughly nine months after arriving in Robertson County, Lucy gave birth to a baby girl... And a key player in our story today, Elizabeth, or Betsy, as she was affectionately called. And she was said to have been beautiful and absolutely the apple of their eye. I mean, she was a gorgeous little girl. The favorite, if you will.
1: Which was also speculated why she was targeted, because... Could be. The entity targeted John. Could be. And it was speculated that it targeted her as the favorite. Right. Or the innocent one, like a lot of entities in these dark... Things tend to target the more innocent, the more.
0: And it was also speculated that she was targeted because of her age. She was it's pre, always, pre-pubescent. It's
1: always the little kids.
0: And well, and but it wasn't like a young kid because they had younger than her.
1: No, but it's it's you, like it's you see, you know, maybe it's not always, but it always seems it's like right it's, in that. It's, it's like five, eleven, twelve six to 12, 13. Age. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Old enough to
1: be able to articulate what's going on, but not out of the like you said prepubescent mm-hmm. not quite puberty age still has that like innocence to him I don't know
0: one of the documentaries I watched uh put it this way they target not quite a child but not quite a woman or a man that's mm-hmm. that's right where they go for it usually so the next addition to the family was Richard Williams Bell also known as Williams Bell and he was the one that wrote the yeah the our family troubles What's The book. And with his birth, Lucy and John Bell now had eight children total, if you're counting. <laughs> that's a that's a houseful.
1: Well, they got enough land for them, that's for sure. Yeah,
0: they do. But Lucy was, by all accounts, an amazing mother, well admired for how well she cared for her huge brood of children. I also have to mention, and I forgot to add it into my notes, but it, it was thought that she was about 47 when she gave birth to um, Betsy. So she wasn't, you know... A young, 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 young mother giving birth. And she still has more after this, by the way. I know, but she's not
1: cranking them out every year. No, she's so not. She's it's not it's going to be a long time to have nine kids. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I, I just don't know how she be does you
1: <laughs> There's not a whole lot else to do back in those times. There's no Netflix and there, I was going to say, there's
0: no TV. That's what happened. What else do you do? I mean, obviously you that. Clearly make children. <laughs> I guess so. Unfortunately, though, this is sad. Their older son, Benjamin, died later that same year. The cause of his death, though, is unknown. There there wasn't death records that year. I think it's because it was a newly settled community. But if I had to guess, he probably died of some obscure 1800s illness.
1: It, it could be the flu back then. Anything. You know what I mean? Like, back then, people died from, like, diarrhea.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Benjamin Bell would be the first member of the family buried in the Bell family cemetery. A landmark that you can still go and visit to this day, by the way.
1: No, thanks. <laughs> no, thank you.
0: Oh, no. We, we we're going to go. I don't care what you say. I'm going
1: to see it from a distance with some binoculars. No,
0: we're going to go and we're going to sleep there.
1: I'm going to bathe in the holy water as I walk upon the, the grounds there.
0: Let's see how you feel after this.
1: <laughs> oh, no, it's the cave you can't go to. That's what it is.
0: We're going to the cave, too.
1: Nope, nope. No, I'm, not, I'm definitely not going there.
0: <laughs> so before a witch appears... It's important to kind of describe what went on on the land because it may very well have to a lot to do with the spirit realm being disrupted in the future. It's just important to have all the info before we can say that this is either fact or folklore. You know. Yep. So this string of events is beyond crazy. I had no idea this occurred. Maybe you did. So on the evening of March twenty fifth, eighteen eleven. The Bell family sat down to dinner when their houseboy, also a slave, whose name was Dean, came rushing through the back door of the dining room, and he was all up in a tizzy. He was breathing heavy, and he eventually got out that a strange light had just appeared out of nowhere in the sky. It was way brighter than any star he had ever seen before, and he hurried the family outside so they can see for themselves what it was. Sure enough, the family went outside and found all of their slaves gathered around in a field, staring up at the sky in awe. Many of them on their knees praying for deliverance because they figured this is a sign of the end times, you know? Can't blame them, I think. (laughs) think John Bell calmed everyone down by telling them that this, guys, this is only a comet, but everyone was so freaked out. They'd never seen anything like this before. I looked this up. And there was, in fact, a comet in 1811. Uh, it was called the Great Comet of 1811. I know, so creative. They we were, were so we good, were, at, naming we were really good at naming things back then. They were really good at naming things back then. And it was visible, get this, to the naked eye for 260 days, which is the longest recorded period of visibility until the appearance of the Hale-Bopp comet in 97, the one we remember. Mm-hmm. That's insane. That's according to Wikipedia. But that's pretty badass. That's pretty cool. That was the first event. Then, that same year, in December, there was a major earthquake that jolted the residents of the Red River Valley from their sleep about 2 a.m. There was severe damage to the community. Livestock was either killed or had, you know, ran off because they were terrified. Huge sinkholes were formed. It was definitely a major event that... No one in the community had experienced before. This was a first for them. The aftershock days later were in fact so severe that they were said to have caused church bells to ring all the way in Boston, Massachusetts. And residents of Pennsylvania and Virginia also felt it as well, from Tennessee. Upon further digging, I found that there was in fact a huge earthquake called the New Madrid earthquake. The initial quake was a magnitude of 8.2 on the Richter scale. That's not small.
1: How do they measure that? Or is I mean, that going back historically? That's going back also,
0: historically.
1: So it's probably a mark. It could have been a, a nine or a seven.
0: This is what gets me, not even that that it's 8.2. The aftershocks lasted for the next 18 months and they got as high as a 7.4 on the Richter scale. I mean, so you can't even rebuild because it's going to keep, you know, crumbling down. It's crazy to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is crazy, but it makes sense. It's like it's a giant terraforming event, right? So the, the you just
0: don't think Tennessee has that.
1: Oh, they got a fault line that runs right through there.
0: I know that. Well, I know that now. I didn't know that before.
1: <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, how the, that's how the Blue Ridge Mountains and the, and the Appalachians are all formed is on that um, uh, fault line.
0: You just don't think of these huge, devastating earthquakes happening there. No, I you mean, don't because they probably don't haven't usually.
1: happened since back then. And they didn't. Uh, but it's like Oklahoma. You don't think about it in Oklahoma, but there's still a town outside Fort Sill you can go to that the entire town was swallowed up by an earthquake, and there's still parts of buildings sticking out of the ground from That's it.
0: That's insane. That's insane to me. Well, with such a crazy series of natural disasters, all nearly unheard of, the new settlers turned God on a much deeper level, which then caused another historical event— and on a side note, I had no idea before researching this case that so many natural events and disasters happened that year. That's crazy. <laughs> but I can I did hear about this next one. I think we learned about it in U.S. history, to be honest. So everyone was terrified that this one's a sign of the end times. Thousands across the U.S. flocked to their nearest church seeking deliverance and salvation. But this movement was so huge that it was Coined as the famous Great Spiritual Revival or the Great Awakening in U.S. history, and Western Tennessee was the Bible Right? Bell. Yep, that's was where the Bible Belt right was born at the very heart of it, and that's how we get the name of the Bible Belt. That's where itself. the Bible Belt yeah. was born, along with the Acts of God and nature and the uprising of Christianity, did this stir something up in the spirit world? That's a definite possibility. You know,
1: who knows? It's hard to rule that out.
0: Anyways, for the Bell family, it was also an eventful year. At almost 50, Lucy Bell gave birth to her final child, a boy they named Joel Egbert, in 1813. When Joel was about four months old, another earthquake, just as bad, occurred within the community, if you can believe that. It was felt southward towards the Gulf of Mexico and as far north as Michigan. By 1815, the tremors had died down, but something else in mother nature was brewing as a sign of things to come. April 5th, 1815, on a tiny island in Indonesia, the Tambor volcano erupted, spewing fire, smoke, and volcanic ash into the atmosphere. Over 92,000 people died. That's insane. And it went down in history as the most powerful eruption. Thousands more would later die as a result of starvation due to global cooling and subsequent food shortage, sh- shortages since crops would freeze over.
1: you oh, yeah, that and ash fallout. out. Oh.
0: Well, what does this have to do with our story? Western Tennessee was no different. The winter of 1815 to 1816 was far colder than normal, and the spring was unusually dry. There was droughts. Most of the crops that even managed to survive all had to be replanted. Human deaths in the community were attributed to the sub zero weather as well. To give you an idea, in the middle of summer, which it's hot in the south here, <laughs> the residents of Tennessee in the southern U.S. just had heavy, a heavy layer of frost covering their crops that just wouldn't go away. And this is known, the year of 1816 would come to be known as the year without a summer. Never in recorded history has such a thing occurred. Just shitty times.
1: Yeah, no, shitty good times.
0: Lord, yeah. So that's why I feel that it's important to kind of set you up. Like this, there's some, there's some stuff happening in the atmosphere.
1: You, ha- yeah, I'm about to say you have a <laughs> spiritual event, right? A mm-hmm. huge spiritual event, which could, in some ways, some people believe that that much one way can bring something the other way, right? So,
0: 1816 was no better for Mister John Bell either. Like I said before, he was a prominent member of the community and quite the respected businessman. Sometimes he was known to have been overly generous, and then on the other hand, he was thought to be kind of shrewd and cunning. Enter Benjamin Batts. Batts was a neighbor of the Bell family, and he offered to sell John a young slave girl for $100, but Batts needed to keep her in his possession just for a few more days before he sold her, gave her over. John said, okay, that's fine, and Bats handed John a bill of sell and promised to deliver her within a few days after John paid him. But during those few, da- few days, Bats got a much better offer for the girl, and he tried to renege on the deal with John. A heated confrontation was had, but ultimately, John agreed to let Bats resell his slave only with the understanding that bats now pay John $150 to avoid the bill of sale. To void the bill of sale. Are you following?
1: Yeah, so he got a much better offer than John's hundred dollars. Right. So he made it, he only let it happen because he had to pay him $150. So this and he got, sold the slave. This dude got a huge offer then. Right. If he could turn around and give 150 to John, otherwise it's not even worth it.
0: Yeah. Um, but Bats was like, no, I'm not going to pay that. He refused. He did agree, however, to pay John $120 for the inconvenience. Bell agreed. But Bats was still super pissed. Yeah, he lost money. He thought that John Bell had played him. So he went to the elders of the Red River Baptist Church and complained about John. That's what you did back then. That was kind of their law.
1: That was their courtroom.
0: Yeah. So long story short, John was found guilty guilty of usury, the crime of usury. I didn't know that existed. And he was ordered to pay a fine along with court costs. He also had to resign his position as an elder in his church. And he was excommunicated. Humiliated. John Bell vowed never to set foot in that church again. This was a huge blow to him. He was a man of very high moral character. And you have to remember, he helped build this church that still exists today with his own two hands. So he was like, really?
1: Yeah, he's like one of the main dude is, I helped build this shit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So this was a hit to the old ego, you know. And he's a prominent dude. Prideful. this
1: is a very, you know, me man, me pride time period.
0: Yeah. So now for the fun part. (laughs) I think I set you up for success here. So here we go. Things are going to get weird. Success or failure? Success for sure. There's no failure here. I mean,
1: hauntings to me are a failure of <laughs> something. That's not a success.
0: Nah. I'm
1: conjuring the shit.
0: Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Betsy, the youngest bell daughter, and her brother, Drury, which, by the way, is super hard for me to say. Dr- you, Drury. 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 I
1: really struggle saying Drury or Drury.
0: You can't say it either, punk. I can't even
1: read how it's spelled. I'm just guessing off of your
0: pronunciation. Drury. 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 It's like Drew and Re. Drew. Re. Drury. Yeah, uh, let's call him Drew. So <laughs> Betsy <laughs> Betsy and her brother Drury <laughs> made their way toward their orchard to pick some apples one day when they saw a large vulture circling overhead. Even he eventually landed on like a, a high branch nearby a maple tree, just staring at him. Still normal. Kids didn't care. As the two kids got closer to the orchard, The bird swooped down, seemingly to get a closer look at the children, perching on a fence. Not thinking anything of it, the pair went on picking their apples. The vulture spread its huge wings, coming straight for Drury and Betsy. Instinctively, Drury just kind of chunked an apple at the bird, and the bird disappeared with a puff of smoke into thin air, nowhere to be seen. The two terrified kids dropped their apples and went screaming back back home, half expecting to turn around and see the devil bird chasing after them, right? But instead, what they saw was even worse. At first, it just looked like it was a big black dog running towards them. But upon closer inspection, the dog had two heads, and each head had a set of glowing red eyes with razor-sharp fangs. Hmm. Drury and Betsy stopped running and stood there frozen because they honestly couldn't believe their eyes and their kids, you know. But as a creature leaped at them, he too vanished into thin air. This is why I stopped talking when I was telling you about what I thought that this haunting might be. But um, does this remind you of, and I don't want to say it because I know that it's actually disrespectful to the Native American community to say this word, so I don't want to say it, but does this remind you about that show that we watched and the ones who walk with the skin?
1: Yeah, but actually that's not what first came first. And came they mind. take
0: on different forms. 100%. And I'm sure all of y'all can guess who we're talking about. But I don't want to say it because it is very dis- – it's disrespectful.
1: I don't know if it's disrespectful. It's just a superstitious thing you don't talk you about. You don't
0: want to talk about that. Well, yeah. if you talk
1: about it, you bring it into your life basically. Yeah,
0: absolutely. and we don't want that.
1: But actually that's not the first thing that popped to mind. Obviously what the is? bird part is, but when you talk about – a, a giant dog like creature with multiple heads that takes me to you know the stories of Greek mythology and Cerebus, the hound dog of hell that guards the gates to hell was a three-headed dog with glowing red eyes.
0: When we start t- yeah we'll we'll get there. Just hang on to that cuz I that's what I thought too at first and then none of it really fits. So I'm not sure. Let's just
1: I'm just saying put a that's pin what in that. that's what initially popped into my head was the thought of you know Cerberus.
0: Yeah. Yeah, or the Anubis.
1: Not even the Anubis. It's the only thing I've ever heard of throughout you know, stories and mythology is that the only multi-headed dog I can tell about is Serapis, which is the, obviously the guardian to hell in Greek mythology.
0: So the kids tried to tell their dad, John, about this two-headed dog fiasco and vulture thing. <laughs>
1: this <is> motherfucker but- <laughs> that showed up <laughs> out of nowhere.
0: But, I mean, imagine like our kids – Coming home, being like, there was a vulture, and then there was a dog, and it had two heads. And it's like, what?
1: Did you drink my beer? I know, yeah. What did you get what, into what, in the field? Were you happened? eating random mushrooms that you found?
0: Well, he was like, you know, okay, okay, go eat. Good story, kid. Um, He just kind of dismissed them. Well, as a
1: kid, they have imaginations, right? They tell yeah, lavish and they're not, stories when they're out playing.
0: They're not teenagers yet. But as John Bell was checking on his corn in the middle of his cornfield soon after, he saw the strangest looking creature he'd ever seen in his life. It had the body of a dog in the face of a rabbit or a hare, but it hissed at him like a snake. Biologists for years have tried to speculate what kind of creature this could be. I didn't know this, but hares or large rabbits are not, were not, and are not indigenous to those parts of Tennessee. So I don't know what this could be.
1: It's interesting because it's not the first. You know, the shape-shifting part of it is obviously what's really weird about it. But, you know, having a multi-animal-looking entity is not something new, right? We you hear about that, there's literally a pseudoscientific study of it called cryptozoology. Mm -hmm. You're talking about the the fucking Jersey Devil, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: all that shit. Mm -hmm. You know, the Mothman, all these like...
0: But I think we're talking about... Uh, If you haven't picked that up yet, what we'll eventually be talking about is one entity that can take on all of these forms.
1: Yes. No, no, no. I'm just saying that one right there reminds me when you say, you know, like a a dog's body with a rabbit head. Mm -hmm. It just just goes into that whole cryptozoology, like the study of these weird ass looking animals. Yeah. no one can explain, and no one's ever found again. Like the Jersey yeah, Devil is a perfect example of that, which had like a.
0: So are they all part of one entity? But
1: they all have these stories of these supernatural behind them. Like, yeah, I keep saying the Jersey Devil because you know, obviously I grew up like 90 miles from the Pine Barrens, uh, which is the Jersey Devil's home, and it was supposedly a baby that the mom didn't want, and mm-hmm. she basically said, "Turn it into the devil. I don't want this thing." And literally, the thing changed into a demon in front of her, and it had like no, a snake. You know, I had like a tail, bat wings, like a dragon type head. It was just the weirdest looking thing ever. <laughs> uh, side note, patch, hot take, random rant on the fucking Jersey Devil. But I grew up with that story. Like, you know, it says like people that growing up in Tennessee or people that grow up with the Mothman around it or the Goatman, or the Goatman's Bridge.
0: Bucket list is to go camping in the Pine Barrens.
1: Pine Barrens is somewhere I grew up. So I heard this story since I was like six.
0: Love it. So the creature was staring at John. And John, he has a, you know, he's a Southern gentleman. He has a rifle on him. He raised his rifle and he pulled the trigger. And when the smoke from the gunfire cleared, there was no creature there to speak of. Again, a strange creature had vanished into thin air. Oh yeah, much like what his kids had told him. Then John, feeling like he was losing his damn mind,
1: as any grown-ass adult would yeah, in that situation, <laughs> right,
0: decided to turn around and head back to the house but he felt like he was being watched, and closely, but by what? Out of the corner of his eye, he thought he saw a young lady. As he fixed his gaze, he indeed had seen a lady in green strolling around the forest along the riverbank. John called out to her, and when she turned to meet his gaze, she vanished into thin air. By now, John was so freaked out that he just hauled ass home, although he decided to keep this all to himself so he wouldn't freak out his family. Like, what good would it do? The kids are already freaking out. Like, maybe it was all the shit they had been through that previous year with the earthquake and the volcanoes and the end of the world. I mean, let's and- be
1: serious. There's fucking 27 earthquakes that, that last for two years. Yeah. The summer, the year without a summer, a fucking volcano that just wiped off islands in the Pacific. Yeah. Yeah the Bible Belt uproar, and Mm -hmm. that now he's seeing, like, phantom animals. The kids are like, hey, there's this two-headed dog chasing me, and there's this lady just disappears. He's, I've had enough of this bullshit at this point. Like, I'm fucking out. (laughs) Like, let's go.
0: So he saw the lady in the green dress, right? Yeah. But the lady in the green dress wasn't finished with the family just yet. One day, Esther and Betsy went venturing out into the woods when they saw a lady in a... Green dress, blue
1: dress. Oh, okay. Green. <laughs> I was gonna go blue. I uh, wasn't sure.
0: <laughs> it's not your color, honey. <laughs> they Wait, saw- me or her? <laughs> her. Okay. I'm just okay. kidding. I
1: love green. I'd rock the shit out of some green. <laughs> yes, she would. You'd I look, know.
0: you'd look hot. Fabulous. <laughs> Hair flip. They saw a lady in a green dress hanging dead from a tree limb. This is Esther and Betsy. Then, just as quickly as the girls saw her, she disappeared.
1: That's creepy as hell. Creepy that as gives hell. you That gives you conjuring vibes. Remember that scene? Yeah. Oh. When she's just standing there and she sees the dead body just hanging above her. Yeah.
0: And the gallows. In gallows. It was later that same night that Esther was actually proposed to by a man named Bennett Porter, and Esther happily moved into the Porter residence <laughs> she's after. Like-
1: Peace out, family. This is crazy shit.
0: And they were married just a few weeks later. She was like, love you, fam, but y'all got a brew hall living here. He's a
1: good dude, but y'all got some crazy shit happening, and I don't (laughs) want (laughs) it.
0: So, okay, up until now, we've seen some strange occurrences, definitely, but they had taken place on the property of the Bell family. Now we're going to see things make their way inside the Bell home. It started out like all hauntings we hear about. Faint knocks and rapping on the walls and the doors. As time went on, the sounds grew stronger and stronger. And many times, John and his sons would even get up in the middle of the night to answer very clear bangs on the door just to find no one there. And they live on a bunch of open land, so people aren't playing ding-dong ditch. You're like, who's knocking? Because
1: yeah. like, there's no one out here.
0: It was soon discovered over time that the knocks were coming from inside the house. Well, Ooh.
1: This goes back to what we talked about. Um,
0: and the possession. And the possession uh, The story, exorcist. The
1: exorcist, the true story behind it is, you know, there's different stages. And it's obviously, you know, there's infestation, there's mm-hmm. oppression. Obviously, they're escalating. Like you said, it always starts out little and it always escalates more and more and more. So, it was on the land. Now, it's coming into the house. Mm-hmm. And it's going to escalate in the house. And it's going to keep – and then you're going to almost get to – I don't think there was a possession level on this one. But mm. there's infestation. There's oppression. Yeah. There's, Manipulation. There's all those. There's a couple of stages.
0: So this went on for weeks, and Lucy and the children pleaded for John to get Reverend Johnson, their friend and neighbor, involved. But John didn't want the embarrassment, even though the knocks and banging were getting so much more frequent and out of hand.
1: And let's not forget, he was just embarrassed by the the church.
0: Right. The family instead all joined hands and prayed for protection before going to bed one night. That night, the entire family was jolted awake by something walking around on the roof clear as day. It started out sounding like footsteps, then was replaced with far more loud and threatening sounds as if the shingles were literally being ripped away one by one off their home. An inspection the next morning showed no damage or any sign of vandalism to the roof whatsoever.
1: Yeah, that's a distinct sound, right? We've Very all heard, distinct. Like, we've all heard people walking on your house, whether it was like someone in your family up on the roof. And this or, is a
0: family that's been through earthquakes. <laughs>
1: or, and they, you know, they've obviously probably re-roofed their own houses and stuff, yeah. so they know what it sounds like. Then you hear it getting ripped off. So that's a that's even more like you said, an aggressive, distinct sound. Mm-hmm. To wake up the next day and see nothing is like, okay, I'm losing my freaking mind here. Like, what just happened?
0: We're gonna see something that we saw in our Exorcist episode happen next.
1: The, the bed flew around the room with the <laughs> no, boy no, audit? no, not that one. Oh.
0: The following nights, the banging and footsteps were replaced with what sounded like rats gnawing on a wood plank all throughout the house. The sound of rats. Mm-hmm. They all hear the sound of rats. The Bell family never could pinpoint where the sound was coming from. It seemed to almost run from them, like they would it's follow taunting. the sound. It's, it's, it's it was taunting, taunting them. Reluctantly returning to bed, the family experienced what sounded like a gigantic bird trapped underneath the house, flapping its wings, trying to escape, shaking the whole house. That's terrifying.
1: It's a big-ass bird. <laughs> like <say>. a pterodactyl.
0: <laughs> it's
1: a pterodactyl? It sounds like it's about that size.
0: <sighs> the next night, poor Betsy was targeted. John and Lucy were awakened by her screams. When they entered her room, Betsy was sitting in the center of the bed with the covers over her head. She said that she had heard several large rats chewing on her bedposts. Her brother Drew, Richard, Zadek, and Joel all entered the room and confessed that to their parents that they had heard the same thing in their rooms as well. They all thought the same thing. Upon a close examination of the bed posts, no evidence of gnawing critters was found. So the family not knowing what else to do, went back to bed. But before long, Betsy screamed yet again. John went to her room to find that her door, which he had purposefully left open, was now shut and the candle that he had purposefully left lit by her bed was extinguished. So he relit the candle to find her that her covers had been ripped from her bed and now laid piled up in the corner of the bedroom. Of course Betsy was just inconsolable. Oh yeah. Just before the sun rose, the family heard a loud noise that they described as the sound of large boulders falling from the ceiling and crashing down onto the floor and rolling. But of course nothing was there. I'm sorry, what? Boulders how do you just, falling from the ceiling. Do you know how loud that, that's construction sounding it yeah. has to be the same then, as a boulder? And you know these houses back then were all like wood and
1: yeah, Just wood. It, it's one thing to say like <laughs> rocks falling or something Boulders. Falling, but a boulder? Oh hell no.
0: So we can only speculate that with all this fear that this entity was stirring up in the family, it would only grow stronger because what it would do next is seriously mind-boggling. Well, it's
1: already growing stronger, right? As yeah. the fear is growing, as the panic's coming in, it's gaining power, and that's what they do. That's what they right. feed on.
0: So one evening, Betsy was brushing her hair, getting ready for bed. When she heard her name, softly whispered, said Betsy. When she heard it more clearly for the second time, she ran downstairs to get her parents. After hearing that the spirit was now vocal and addressing his child by name, John Bell finally agreed to ask for outside help. Good. Early the next morning, John went and spoke to his friend and neighbor, Reverend James Johnston, who thought that John Bell had absolutely lost his mind at first. But being a good friend, Reverend Johnson came over that evening and sat in the bell's parlor and listened as the family kind of filled him in as to the unexplained occurrences. As outlandish as all of this sounded, the Reverend knew that knew this family well and they knew that, you know, they were really honest people who wouldn't make this stuff up. And it's it was, one thing if
1: it's just John versus yeah, ten of them.
0: But it's the whole family it's sitting like 10 there, ten of them
1: literally telling freaked stories. Out. Yeah.
0: He was just going to have to see for himself. He really wanted to hang out and see for himself. So as the family and Reverend Johnson sat in the parlor, the candles suddenly all extinguished, leaving them in the dark. Remember, that's our only light, no electricity. Yeah, they
1: don't have electricity back then. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: and a high-pitched screeching sound was heard, growing louder and louder, forcing everyone to cover its ears, their ears until it ended. Then, once sil- silence fell... Betsy received several hard, audible slaps to her face by an unseen hand causing her to scream out in pure fear, and they watched her head jolting back and forth. Terrifying. Holy crap. The reverend jumped up and addressed the entity. He asked, In the name of God, who are you and why are you here? Nothing responded. Whatever had been there seemed to have left just as suddenly as it came. So the family, in an effort to reinstate a sense of normalcy, relit all the candles. Not long after the last candle was relit, a bitterly cold wind rushed through the cabin, blowing them all back out, leaving everyone in the pitch black. The sounds of slapping ensued, followed by the blood-curdling screams of Betsy. Lucy rushed to light as many candles as she could, and everyone could now see the dark red handprints on Betsy's face. By now, Johnston was like, what the fuck?
1: <laughs> <laughs> they ain't making this shit up.
0: He was definitely a believer to say the least. In fact, he got on to his friend John for having waited too long to get some kind of help. Which, so getting stronger. Exactly. But like I said, Reverend Johnston was a really good friend because he agreed to stay the night with the family in the guest bedroom along with his wife. And that's something I would not do. Not before leading the, fam- but not before leading the family in prayer and reciting scripture in an effort to protect them all. Maybe it was those prayers that gave the entity energy, or maybe it was the presence of Reverend Johnston and his wife in the house. But nevertheless, this thing amped up that night.
1: Well, it's—I don't think it gave it his presence or anything that, but if, if, if you go back to all these things, stories about hauntings, those things usually enrage the mm-hmm. haunting. Yeah. Like when you bring in, whenever they bring in the priest, whenever that person starts coming in and, you know, scri- speaking scripture, whatever is in there ramps up a hundred times. Cause it's like, get this fucking guy out of here.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, that's, that's my theory. on
0: It's just, this one's confusing and you'll see why later. No, it's I like, don't know. This I, is I, so yeah. weird. This one, I don't, I don't know. Without a doubt. So, it went from, this thing went from room to room after everyone was in bed, ripping the covers off of everyone's bed, and as soon as they were put back on, it would snatch them off again.
1: The fucking blanket demon?
0: Yeah. The children had their hair viciously pulled, and Betsy was slapped more throughout the night, her screams echoing all over the house. Good Lord. And if that wasn't enough, the, he- the sound of heavy chains being dropped on the floor and then dragged... Throughout the house now paralyzed everyone with fear.
1: That would That's a terrifying.
0: I, I imagine that one would. Boulder is one
1: thing, but like if you're in bed and you already know your, your house is being haunted and shit's yeah. going on and then you hear the chains. That's just. No, 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 no. That's like every horror movie. It's like just terrifying.
0: Doors flew open and then slammed shut all night long. Yeah, no one got any sleep that night. Wow. So the next morning it was agreed that John was now going to seek help from the church because enough is enough. And now, it is time for a break, and we will be right back. Can I just say how funny it is that Coconut, our Great Pyrenees, will just randomly go, in the middle of our recording? Yeah,
1: she's just laying there a second ago as we're getting ready to go live, and you hear her shuffle, and she just goes... <laughs>
0: She's, okay. Like we're bothering her. <laughs> so put off on you're sleeping on the floor over there. Sorry, Coconut. We'll we'll do better. <laughs> so John Bell swallowed his pride late that evening and went before the church congregation that just turned their backs on him.
1: Yo, you kicked me out and this shit's happening now. Help me.
0: <laughs> the same church that accused him of the crime of usury and the same church that had excommunicated him and He pleaded for their help in ridding his family of this thing. The church, however, would be of little help right now, especially since he's essentially a convicted felon in their eyes, which is what he was. John's public confession of paranormal happenings in his home did, however, accomplish one thing. It got the town talking.
1: Everyone's going to (laughs) start talking about that excommunicated guy that's now talking about hauntings. Yeah.
0: So so much so that sightseers from near and far gathered at the Bell Farm to witness these strange events. Maybe all the activity gave the entity even more strength because after several months, it began to speak. It started small, calling out the names of the Bell family members as we saw. Then it, it was just kind of inaud- an inaudible babbling. Then it began to sound like a young child, no matter the voice it used, it was definitely intelligent in nature, for sure. For example, when asked a question that required a number as an answer, it would bang on the wall that many times in response. We see that happen a lot, awesome. right?
1: Yeah.
0: As it grew stronger and stronger, Reverend James Johnson challenged the spirit harder. He asked, Who are you and what do you want? This time it straight up answered, I am spirit. I was once very happy, but I have been disturbed. Reverend Johnson wanted to disprove any of the naysayers in town and just wanted to cover all bases. So um, he did something pretty smart, in my opinion. He went ahead and got the help of a local physician, Dr. William Fort, to examine all of the bell children. Yeah, you want to see
1: if they're going crazy? Yeah,
0: yeah, and they were all cleared as healthy, as healthy and mentally stable as you could possibly be in the early
1: 1800s. So I got a, I got a whole ass theory on what's going on here, but we'll see. Okay, what we'll,
0: we'll see what happens in the end. Yeah, well, we're gonna see. I, I think I see what's going on here. So as time passed, this spirit just began to speak freely and clearly, both day and night, and it would carry on a conversation with anyone who engaged it. It was super smart and knew the answer to any question and could apparently speak many different languages, not just English. One day, (laughs) Reverend Johnson again asked his spirit friend what its purpose was, to which it responded, I am a spirit who was once very happy, but have since been disturbed and made unhappy. I am the spirit of the person who is buried in the woods nearby, and the grave has been disturbed. My bones were disinterred, and scattered. One of my teeth was lost under this house. Oh. Okay. And I am here looking for that tooth. I will not be at peace until I find it. Well, as it so happens, about four years prior, Drury Bell and his neighbor friend Corbin Hall purposefully opened an old Native American grave on the Bell property in search of relics and artifacts. Oh. They didn't find anything of value, so they brought a jawbone back to the house as a souvenir. Dumb asses. <laughs> you don't do that. We do not open Native American graves.
1: No, that's, you don't touch that shit.
0: While they were playing with the jawbone, as you do, a loose tooth was dislodged and fell through the crack of the floorboard inside the Bell home. John was pretty pissed when jury... Confess this, rightfully so. So he ordered the boys to hand over the jawbone, and he had one of the slaves return to the burial ground, minus the missing tooth. Okay. That slave was a young boy named Harry, and he was scared to death to perform this task that John Bell asked of him. As he walked down to the burial ground, jawbone in hand, he just couldn't bring himself to reopen a Native American grave, because he's smart, So he disobeyed. He hurled the jawbone into the Red River and vowed not to tell anyone. Back at the Bell home, John made all of the boys rip up the floorboards in search of the missing tooth. No tooth was ever found. John and the Bell family were then met with the entity's evil laughter. It confessed to all that it had fooled old Jack. Old Jack is what they call... what that entity called John Bell for some reason. Another time when the spirit was asked what it wanted, it said, I am spirit of an elderly immigrant. I brought a huge treasure with me from Europe and hid it nearby. But before I will tell anyone where it's hidden, I was, or before I could tell anyone where it was hidden, I was killed in an Indian raid. I would like Betsy to have the treasure. Well, this sparked everyone's interest, of course, because it has something to do with the treasure. But before the spirit would reveal the location of the treasure, there were several conditions that needed to be met. One, the only ones allowed to discover the treasure would be Bennett Porter, Esther's new husband, and Drury Bell. Reverend James also had to join them. He wasn't to perform any labor like digging. But he was there just to protect Betsy's interest and supervise. Okay. They had to wait till the following morning before they went on their treasure hunt also. So three conditions. Everyone present agreed because it's treasure. And the entity then went ahead and disclosed the location. Apparently, they could find this treasure beneath a large rock located by a spring on the Bell Farm.
1: Let me guess, there was nothing there when they looked for
0: it. So the next morning, the treasure hunters set out with their digging supplies and instantly found a large rock by the spring. They dug for hours, no treasure. Just then, a shrill laugh echoed throughout the farm. They were fooled again. The next night, the entity was apparently not around. It was replaced with four separate entities instead. Four hellraisers, actually, that claim to be members of the witch's family. And wait till you hear the names. They called themselves Black Dog, Mathematics, Cryptography, and Jerusalem.
1: Interesting.
0: I mean, I'm just reporting the news.
1: No, no, no. I say interesting because I'm over here doing a little research as you're talking. And I'm figuring something out. We're going to get to the end and I'm going to throw it out there.
0: Okay. So, mathematics and kerpok, no, I'm sorry, sipography. Sipography. Don't know what that is. 1900s word. Mathematics and sipography both had delicate feminine voices. Jerusalem sounded like a very young boy. All seemed to be either drinking or drunk, and they cursed like sailors and fought with each other, both inside and outside the Bell home, where all the onlookers were still there daily, just gathered around to witness all of this circus bullshit going on. Yeah.
1: And whatever it is, is getting attention that it wants.
0: Reportedly, the strong smell of whiskey was also very prevalent inside and outside the home as well.
1: Uh, That would be factual. If it was my house and that shit was going on, it would be a very (laughs) strong odor of alcohol. Just saying.
0: For seven nights, these three demons, as John Bell referred to them, terrorized the Bell family and neighborhood neighborhoods and neighbors, sending many onlookers fleeing for their life. Then on the 8th night the main original entity took over again, now stronger than ever. They say that it's almost like she or it ate these three entities to become stronger. Oh, is what they said. So that night the Bell family sat and discussed an upcoming business trip that John Jr would be making to North Carolina where they're from. John's uncle in Halifax had died and his estate had supposedly made it to probate. John Sr. was beneficiary and was set to receive a hefty sum of money, so his son, John Jr., volunteered to go for him. As they talked, the entity said they shouldn't go because the estate wasn't ready to settle and the trip would be for nothing. So the entity told them this. I'm, mm. I'm kind of rolling my eyes. I, I, I just don't believe all this. He's I'm, saying I'm a lot sorry. of
1: shit.
0: But John Jr. argued. He was adamant for about getting that money. The entity went on to say that a young lady would be paying a visit to friends here in the community in Robertson County during the scheduled trip. And that John Jr. needed to stay so that they could effectively fall in love. Okay. Long story short, six months later, John Jr. returned to Tennessee from North Carolina without the estate money. And while he was gone, a sexy, rich young lady came to town, but left before John ever got to meet her. So this thing's also a matchmaker. (laughs) Just when I start to think it's a demon, it does something like this, which makes it not a demon, I would think, but whatever.
1: Mm, I don't know. Like I said, I got a theory.
0: So who, what is this thing? Here's another theory for you to ponder. One of the many times this entity was asked its name, it stated numerous times that its name is Kate. So who is Kate? I'm about to tell you. Kate Batts, her husband and their children lived on a small farm down the road from the Bells. If you recognize the last name Batts, As in Benjamin Batts. Yeah, the one that
1: got him excommunicated.
0: Kate's brother-in-law was the one who had, yeah, John Bell convicted of the crime of usury and in turn excommunicated. Now, Kate's husband, Frederick, had a freak accident when he was trampled by his own oxen, which left him bedridden and an invalid, effectively. So Kate was left to take control of the farm and all of its business dealings which she did happily because she was super headstrong. She had a sharp tongue. She had a sharp wit. And she kind of sounds like our ghost friend, Kate, to be honest. Anyways, human Kate had a very, she was a very unique lady. In fact, she was so unique that word around town had it that she was a witch and practiced the dark arts. Kate was very jealous. Human Kate was very jealous of the Vast amount of land that the Bell family possessed. And to be honest, she was probably pissed at the run-in that John Bell had had with her brother-in-law.
1: Yep. yep. I remember this part of the story.
0: One day, when passing John Bell, she stated loudly, John Bell, you have your health and your wide acres, but that too will come to pass. That does give off witchy vibes, and it does sound kind of like a curse or a threat or something. I can see that. it
1: but it's like... It's like walking by someone that's got more than you and be like, oh, one day you won't have all that.
0: Yeah. That's all that's she's true. basically saying. So seeing as how the entity now likes to be referred to as Kate, we're going to call it Kate. So when I refer to, because in the journal, the entity is referred to as Kate. So we're going to re- refer to it as Kate. And also it doesn't say if it's a him or her. So I'm just still going to call it it yeah, well that works, that works. <laughs> or the witch one of the two. So apparently people in town would now ask Kate how their family member in a whole other state was doing. Right. And it would actually go and check and report back to them how they were doing. Like, oh, Aunt Sally in Boston is ill. And then Kate would turn out to be correct. The family would then receive a letter that poor Aunt Sally had fallen ill and they needed to come quick. I mean, so she was right all the time. Other times, Kate would memorize sermons of other ministers in different cities and recite the sermon word for word to various people. This thing was like YouTube before YouTube existed, really. So
1: Spiritual YouTube.
0: now, Now, don't think that during this time that Kate, the entity, was out putting on a show for all of Tennessee that she was neglecting her main job of haunting the Bell family. They were still really going through it. Oh, she One, didn't let up. No, she she's, didn't let she's up. She's
1: expanding her enterprise. Never.
0: One <laughs> night, Joel, the youngest, and his brother Zadik were in their room asleep when Kate ripped the covers off of them. Joel had had enough, so he held on to the covers, and he, like, cursed at her, and or cursed at Kate, only to be met with a firm beating from the unseen entity. Jury also got some of Kate's wrath. He was repeatedly slapped, and he also had his hair pulled numerous times. But it was a torment of Betsy that seemed to please Kate the most for some reason. Why Betsy was such a target remains unknown. It could be her age. Could it be that she was the favorite? Who knows? In addition to the slapping and hair pulling, Betsy was only about 12 or 13 at this point, like we were saying before, and She also endured what felt like pins being stuck in her body constantly. She also would suffer from odd feigning spells during this time, which is thought to have been called by the witch, which is really weird. However, Kate seemed to like two people in the bell house, John Jr. and Lucy. It would even go as far as to leave them offerings like fresh fruit out for them. It's really weird, but... Kate had preferences (laughs) which I I mean I guess we all do
1: ghost chooses the kids it likes yeah
0: well no Lucy's the mom Kate just thought that Lucy was the greatest woman ever oh that's crazy
1: I'm sorry I get confused with that many names of kids
0: well there's 18 million kids
1: that's yeah I forget Lucy's the mom but still hearing a ghost pick favorites is like what
0: so the witch however really did not like John Bell the dad (laughs) Big John. At one point, Kate was asked what her purpose here was, to which it responded, to kill John Bell. Remember that part of the story. So I don't know how the spirit could be any more blunt, but it stated that over and over and over again. About that time, John got mysteriously ill. He described it verbatim as if a sharpened stick was jammed sideways in his throat. At first, it was just annoying and then it got worse. His tongue would swell. And he also had difficulty swallowing along with other worrisome symptoms like twitching uncontrollably and even seizures. Jesus. He did go to see the local doctor, but of course he could find no obvious causes for the ailment. But it's that's also not surprising. It's 1800s. It sounds neurological to me. As John's condition worsened, he became more and more desperate to have someone try to help him rid his family of this entity. The word of the supernatural phenomenon plaguing the Bell family spread far enough to reach a man that you may have heard of, Patrick, a man named General Andrew Jackson.
1: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) if you live in America you've sat through U.S. history, you know who Andrew Jackson is.
0: He traveled from Nashville by carriage to witness firsthand to see what all the fuss was about and had to try his hand at ridding the witch. General Andrew Jackson was the seventh president of the United States of America, by the way.
1: It's pretty, so, I mean, off topic, really random. It's pretty awesome that a president's like, Holy shit. That's some crazy shit. Let me go check that out. He wasn't president
0: yet, <laughs> but yeah, for sure.
1: But like no one on that level of politics oh, is yeah. like, Oh, let me go check that crazy shit out.
0: So he traveled. You know, this is a whole story about him. Yeah. Yeah. He traveled from Nashville by carriage to witness firsthand to see what all the fuss was about. Old Hickory, as General Jackson was called, brought with him several servants that actually included his self-proclaimed witch hunter. Now the plan was that General Jackson and his posse would stay a whole week with the Bells. But mm-hmm. Kate had other plans. As the Jackson party approached the bell farm late in the evening, one of his men made a joke about the witch. It, it was it was an off-colored remark. You know, it's a bunch of guys traveling together. A bunch He's, of
1: army dudes. Yeah. He made an army joke.
0: <laughs> so, super offensive.
1: Exactly.
0: Instantly, the wagon stopped on its own, seemingly unwilling to move. This baffled the men because the weather was good. They were traveling on a decent road. They didn't get stuck in any mud. Like, what's happening? The wagon driver kept whipping the horse, trying to get him to go ahead, but the horse refused to budge. The
1: horse was like, nah, Pimpin', I ain't going, bro.
0: <laughs> they even went as far as to change all the wagons wheels, but nothing helped. So they were there a while. So General Jackson exclaimed after many hours, quote, By eternal boys, it isn't it it is the witch. Suddenly a disembodied voice from behind the bushes hissed a command that apparently released the wheels and the wagon once again moved. Now I personally would just turn around and leave, but Jackson continued on to the Bell's home.
1: Oh, he was jeep.
0: Once inside, Kate made her nightly appearance by snatching a chair leg from underneath General Jackson, causing him to fall on the floor. Then the witch made its way around the room, flipping furniture and terrifying everyone who had come to spectate. In General Jackson's party. Reportedly, he fired off a shot or two at the invisible <laughs> entity in fear, unable to defend himself. Typical
1: army dude. He's like, fuck, I'm going to shoot shit. It'll stop it.
0: Apparently, his whole witch hunting party was freaked out as well because they all ran outside and abandoned General Jackson. Inside.
1: Well, they probably followed this dude like he's this brave guy. And he's just popping shots off across the yeah. room at random shit. They're like... Uh, he freaked out. I'm freaked out because I can't see what he's <laughs> shooting at.
0: The posse loaded up and started the journey back to Nashville that <laughs> night. We out. <laughs> Peace. I can't blame them, really. As he was leaving, General Jackson famously exclaimed, I'd rather face the entire British Army than to fight this infernal thing they call the witch.
1: You can't see it. Like it's, you'd rather fight something you can see. Yeah. So as oh a soldier, God. 100%, you want to see what's in front of you, not some... Ghost.
0: Andrew would go on to become the seventh president of the U.S. from 1829 to 1837. So he wasn't cursed, at least. We know that. It's,
1: yeah. re- it's just really, sorry. It's just, it's just really cool that when you have a haunting story, you can interject a, the future president into it.
0: That's, I mean, that's unheard of.
1: And it's not like he was nobody. I mean, he was a general in the in the army. Yeah. So it's not like he was just a random dude that showed up. Like, he had some title and prestige to him.
0: He even came with the winch hunter.
1: I <laughs> think the windhunter was like, bro, you're shooting at shit, I'm out. <laughs> of
0: course he shot at shit.
1: <laughs> it's, an, it's an army thing. Like, you always make fun of me. And we're that la- we're laughing at this because Courtney and I always joke around. She's like, what would you do if there's a ghost? And I'm like, I'm going to shoot it. She's like, you can't shoot a ghost. I'm like, that's ghost. my go-to. I'm going to shoot at it. Like, it's, I'm 15 years in the military. I shoot at
0: things. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
1: doesn't work. <laughs> but even, it's good to see that even in 19 or 1823, or whatever. People are is. still stupid are, at you. <laughs> people are still just like me. The army dudes are still shooting at ghosts. I love oh my it. gosh! It makes me happy. It makes me feel justified in my actions. <laughs>
0: <I'm> so glad. <laughs> so, did anyone get close to actually capturing the witch? Yes, actually, and this is a pretty famous story. One of the many visitors that came to stay while this all was going on was a family friend named William Porter. It was a cold winter's night. <laughs> that sounds funny. Sorry. So <laughs> It was a cold winter's night. So Porter made sure that the fire in his bedroom was blazing steadily before he drifted off to sleep. However, he was soon jolted awake by the witch who had come and snuggled up in bed next to him. But she wasn't there to like spoon him. Frisky she witch. ripped the covers off of him. And, like, buried herself underneath the covers. I guess witches get cold, too. He was frightened at first, but he had a plan. He jumped out of bed, grabbed the witch that was rolled up tightly in the quilts, and tried to hurl it into the roaring fire. But Kate wasn't about to have that. Suddenly, the bundle of quilts that he was carrying got unusually heavy and took on such an offensive smell That Porter was forced to drop the bundle and run outside for fresh air. This made Porter the first and only one who came close to catching the witch.
1: That's why this story is so crazy, right? It has so many elements of so many different things. Like I have this theory that I'll share at the end. But that part right there, Mm -hmm. what is always synonymous with horrific odors? Demonic presence. Sulfur. Doesn't tie into other theories. So you have a witch. You have Native Americans. You have demon. Like, it's just, maybe it's just like a supernatural hotspot of multiple things or something. I I don't know. It's crazy.
0: I'm not sure. I don't know. I have a few theories, but I don't know.
1: Because I have some that fit
0: perfect with
1: parts of the story.
0: Well, yeah, we'll talk more about it at the end. It'll be more, so stick around till the end. we are kind of a back and forth, and then we want to hear what you guys think.
1: 100%.
0: So... We all remember Kate saying that its goal was to kill John Bell. Well, that same winter, John's condition was steadily worsening. Remember, he was pretty sick. His body was seizing and his inability to swallow and a swollen tongue was keeping him from taking in food and any of his prescribed medication. So that's not good. One morning, John slept in longer than usual and the family went in to check on him. They noticed his breathing was really way too shallow, and there was just a strange odor on his breath, though. They couldn't pinpoint it. John's son, Richard, then went into the medicine cupboard to get his father's usual medications and found that the usual medicine bottles They were that were in the front. They were shoved to the back and in their place was a weird smoky vial that they had never seen before containing a dark, foul smelling liquid identical to the stench on John Bell's breath. Literally no one in the family could account for it being there.
1: Fucking ghost poison or
0: what? (laughs) 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 Well, not far off. Something was definitely wrong. So the family quickly sent for the doctor. Upon Dr. Hobson's evaluation of Mr. Bell, he asked if anything other than his prescribed medication had been administered to him. Kate spoke up and said, I gave old Jack a large dose of that poison during the night. A poison for which there is no known antidote to man. Old Jack will never get up from his bed again. To test this potency of the alleged poison, Drury dipped a broom straw in the vial and dragged it across their pet cat's tongue. while well, the poor cat immediately went into violent convulsions and was dead within minutes.
1: Damn.
0: That's so sad. Poor cat. Didn't ask for this. Drury immediately threw the vial and its contents into the fire shortly before John Bell drew his last breath. Just then, the family heard a disembodied voice that said, I gave old Jack a big dose of that last night. So she like she wanted to make sure. Well that was me, motherfuckers. (laughs) It was me guys, okay? The witch had seemingly kept its promise to kill John Bell. To rub it in, Kate broke out in a rendition of a drinking song called Row Me Up Some Brandio at his funeral. So I knew that Drury Bell recounted Andrew Jackson's brief stay at the Bell home. But I wanted to fact check it, and I found that Jackson did indeed own land in Robertson County, not far from the Bells.
1: He's from Tennessee.
0: I thought that was pretty cool, and to make it even further more plausible, that land was sold the same year that Jackson allegedly visited the Bells. That's
1: when he left Tennessee, <laughs> and
0: he he signed his name on the deed and everything, which means he had to have been there to sign it. Yeah, no, he, they don't. They he's didn't from
1: have fact- Tennessee. He went there, saw that shit. He sold his land and was like,
0: Peace. So I'm, I'm fairly out of the research I, I'm, I've done. I'm fairly confident that he at least visited the bells.
1: Well, yeah, and you, like you said, he he signed the paperwork himself, which so I can prove
0: he was there during the, the time they you said he was
1: digitally signing shit on DocuSign. No. <laughs> like,
0: I can't say I'm confident that he encountered what he did, but he was there. He was there for sure.
1: He was in the area.
0: I will say he never. Spoke about it again. Why
1: would you, when you're going to be a president? He
0: never. I don't know if anyone ever asked him. Like, we didn't have like what CNN and Fox.
1: But what president? What future president comes out and starts speaking about those stories? Especially back then, you start looking like a kook. I mean, I would. You can look like a crazy person. True.
0: So, let's talk about what happened to Betsy briefly. Okay, through her adolescent years, Betsy and her schoolmate Joshua Gardner had been sweet on each other and had always planned to marry. They loved each other like they were soulmates, I think. But there was one problem: Kate hated Joshua, and Betsy knew that if she went through with their wedding, their wedding plans, uh, Kate would just torment him endlessly. So Betsy ended up marrying—this is kind of gross—her old school teacher, whose name was Richard Powell, in an effort to spare Joshua the torment. But they ended up having a fairly happy marriage, and. They both moved to Tennessee with their children. Um, I mean, sorry, Mississippi with their children. So they ended up living in Tennessee. And Betsy passed away in 1888.
1: She knows that shit probably would have continued. It's creepy as fuck that her teacher was It like, may have still. Oh, married. I know. Oh, it's gross. And
0: that's he liked scary. her. He he liked her back when they were.
1: That's. That's what's worse. No, out of context, it's the 1800s. They were marrying know, girls off at 15, 16, which doesn't make it right, but.
0: Doesn't but he had right been here. her teacher since, like, she was little, like when 5 you're nine. I'm going to marry It's you. gross. Nasty as fuck. I'd rather die. So what happened to Kate? <laughs> the Bell Estate uh, was sold since the man of the house had passed. And poor Lucy was forced to purchase several of her own damn items for her own damn estate, ju- from her own damn estate, just to keep a small farm up and running to support her family. Like she had to buy her own shit just to keep like a business running.
1: Well, back then they didn't like like if a man
0: died, the woman couldn't run it.
1: Also, when you know, if the man died, the estate wasn't just the land and the house; it was everything. It was, every, on
0: it. It was also his debts too, and he. he de- was it, was, in, it was also he their debts.
1: horses. It was also their plows and also their slaves. It was literally everything. So yeah, she was gonna have to buy back pieces of it to do her own thing.
0: Before Lucy died, Kate said that. It was time for it to leave, but that it's going to return in seven years. And it did exactly that. In 1828, Kate returned and stuck around with only the family and no one else. This time, Kate didn't, like, branch out and go into the community. It just kind of hung out with the family. (laughs) She just hung out. Like, hey, what's up, buddies? Kate eventually said goodbye to the family again and promised to return yet again, in 107 years. That would be the year 1935. Whether Kate returned or not to the residents of Robertson County or to any surviving members of the Bell family, it's a mystery. Nothing is recorded. I'm sure she. it did. She's,
1: she's pretty punctual.
0: <laughs> she is. To this very day, strange sightings are still reported around the old Bell property. Many onlookers report seeing balls of light also called orbs, near the Bell Family Cemetery. Spectators will often gather around to watch the orbs dance over the gravestones of the Bell Family members. Recently, a group of teenagers on a ghost hunt drove to Adams, Tennessee, to witness the mysterious ghost lights, as they call it, and decided they would park in a lane that was directly across from the cemetery. To make matters worse, they parked on what they thought was an old abandoned railroad spur that went across the lane. Uh -uh. The light appeared in front of them and got closer and closer. They were sure it was the ghost, the ghost lights. Turned out it was an actual train coming right at them. (laughs) And they were able to drive. It's not funny. They're stupid. <laughs> they survived.
1: I know. I know. It's just, tell you, are like, it's not funny as you're laughing. It's not like, funny. You're laughing at the irony of the situation, not like the actual situation. I
0: know. Just let's not be stupid, guys. So Don't
1: park on railroad tracks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm only laughing because they have to say don't park on railroad tracks and then go, ooh, it must be ghost lights coming down the railroad look at, tracks. Look at, at the orbs. At like 200 miles an hour.
0: Why are the orbs loud? Are oh, the orbs a train? They're moving quickly at me. <laughs> But don't worry, I'll get more serious here later. Several other ghost hunting enthusiasts have reported seeing a brunette woman in a white dress floating through the air across the highway to the Bell Cemetery. A few motorists have even reported slamming on their brakes as they were about to run over her. They thought she was an actual, real person. Now, if you're familiar with this story at all, you're probably wondering, Courtney, why aren't you talking about the haunted cave?
1: cave? Come on now. Here we
0: go. This is the time (laughs) on the bell property. You can still visit a seemingly haunted cave where it is thought that the bell witch lives to this day. The legend is as follows late one afternoon, Betsy and her friends were exploring this cave when one of the boys in her little friend group attempted to climb through an opening that was much too small to fit through. And he became so tightly wedged that he couldn't move. He was stuck. He began to scream, but as his voice was echoing, Betsy and their other friends just could not locate him. Apparently, Kate the witch came to his rescue and snatched him out of the small opening, but not before filling his mouth with mud and rocks and cackling maniacally. Some people claim that Kate moved into this cave after John Bell died, and to this day, the witch continues to haunt it. Several unusual occurrences have been reported, like when a sheriff's patrol was dispatched to the cave a few years ago in response to a call about a trespass complaint. Positioning his patrol car in a field, the sheriff shined his headlights on the cave, exited the vehicle, left his engine running, and locked his doors before proceeding to approach the cave. He sounds pretty leery of it to begin with. About halfway there as he was walking. yeah. I was going to
1: say, that's kind of standard procedure a lot of times with, with oh, enforcement. is enforcement. You use, um with the remote keys, you separate yeah. that from the actual key, so you leave the car running so you can lock and unlock it, so you can get in and go. But you
0: keep your keys with you. But you,
1: know you keep the, the fob, the key mm-hmm. fob, the remote with you, so that way it keeps the headlights on. You don't have to use your flashlight, mm-hmm. and then it's locked so no one can see your car. Mm-hmm. And if you need to make a quick escape, your car's already running. You just got to unlock it, get in that bitch, and fucking floor it.
0: Oh, okay. So, about halfway there, he was walking towards the cave. The lights of his car went out and the engine died. Now, he still has the keys. When he arrived at his vehicle, he found the doors were still locked, but the ignition and light switches had been turned off from the inside. Inside.
1: Yeah, so someone turned the key. Yeah. From the inside while the doors were locked.
0: Puzzled, he unlocked the door, restarted the engine, turned the lights back on, And again, he started heading for the cave on foot, only to have the same thing happen again. He walked quickly back to his car to see that a layer of thick frost coated the windshield, into which a message had been scratched. The message said, leave this place and do not return. And he never did. He left. Oh, no, I'm out.
1: (laughs) I'm never coming back.
0: Also, and Pat's going to love that I added this in. Also in 2015, the Travel Channel series Ghost Adventures also visited the cave. The host, Zach Bagans, received an EVP or an electronic voice phenomenon that said in a woman's voice, listen to me. On the episode, Zach asked whoever was present to appear as a ball of light and I can't believe this happened. I've had to rewatch it because I'm like, did that happen? Because this was years ago. We saw this episode. This is a and, lot it, work. and it was true. Yeah, a disembodied voice then said clearly, "Here I come." As a bright orb flew right past Zach. It was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it was pretty cool. I remember that episode.
0: Also, guys, I'll include pictures of the cave and the cemetery all in our IG, so y'all can see how spooky and beautiful it is. And also, the bats cemetery. You know, Kate bats, Benjamin mm-hmm. bats. There, are, it's. That cemetery is located right across from the Bell Cemetery as well. I'll add those in too. There's some crazy hauntings there as well. I can't fit all the stories. Oh, that sure. I've Oh, well, the whole area is probably haunted. And yeah. I think it's—I
1: think if I'm not mistaken, the cave is actually closed now because I remember—if I remember—that episode of um, Zach's show, they had to get special permission because they actually had it was gated and locked off because they didn't want anyone going in there anymore.
0: I read online that it's open certain months during the year now. Oh, okay, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So. Still golden. So I know they had
1: some vandalism and a lot of people just creeping around in there, so they kind of closed it off at one point.
0: Yeah, for sure. I could go on and on about various hauntings and sighting present, sightings present day, but they're just stories galore and they're freaky. So definitely look them up and even better, go and visit the Bell property. It's goals for me to go one day for sure.
1: It's one of our probably top five haunted places we
0: want to go. So go on, Patrick. What do you think? What do I think? Yeah. Folklore or a bunch of malarkey or was this witch brought on by some natural occurrence and a natural shift of energy or?
1: I don't think it's a witch.
0: Well, it's not a witch, but a spirit or.
1: So when I was over here quiet for a little bit, I'm doing some research, right? Because I I took a different approach because I had a theory. and I wanted to see what your original Mm -hmm. theory about those that walk. With the skin? Yeah. So I wanted to dive into that a little bit. Okay. Turns out that whole theory, probably not so much. Oh. They are a Navajo belief, which is more of a Mm -hmm. Midwestern-Western Indian tribe. And I apologize if I say anything this wrong. I'm not an expert on this. I really did like a five-minute Google search to some of this information. So if I offend anybody, I'm so sorry. But when I dove into the Native American cultures of the Tennessee Valley area, Mm -hmm. um, talking about like the the Choctaw And and Cherokee. That's where the
0: Red River gets its name from the blood spilled in their bottles.
1: Exactly. And, <laughs> and, and you know, specifically it talks about the Choctaw and the Cherokee and, and the Chickasaw. But one thing that came up that struck me hugely when I started looking into it is you spoke about the entity that John saw. Mm-hmm. And what it, what it was it described as? The rabbit. So in Native American legends, there is an urban or a folklore legend known as the trickster rabbit. So when you were talking about like, hey, he's telling you to go here and there was nothing there. Hey, go to the boulder. And I was like, let me guess. There was nothing there.
0: So it is the walker of the skin.
1: It's not the walker of a skin. It's another Native American thing. But this one looks the part, right? And it's literally, it's supposed to be like harmless most of the time. But it's known to play pranks and tell stories. That's and what and I feel that Kate was. I feel like this was a, nat- like they, they, they clearly disturbed a Native American burial ground.
0: And she's a, or it was a shyster for sure,
1: right? So they they disturbed a Native American burial ground. Mm -hmm. The earthquakes, one hundred percent disturbed them. Natural phenomenon disturbed it, right? Volcano, all that stuff disturbed the land. Comet. and and then the people physically disturbed a burial. Yeah, this is you know I don't know I don't know the the depths of the stories and the beliefs behind these you know these tribes and this. Trickster Rabbit.
0: Yeah, if, if 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 y'all are linked it to any to of these fit. communities, like your uh, please let us know. It we would to love to learn so about well, this. cause like you said, he's shisty. He's just making shit up, he's talking shit, he's making things happen, he's fucking with yeah. people. Like But not, I mean, I, I know it slapped people, but
1: But well that's the thing that throws me off is because when I looked into this guy or this entity.
0: But is that even true? We don't even know. But
1: I look into the entity and it's supposed to be like not malicious. It's supposed to be like Usually it's, usually it's just a trickster. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a, kid's, it's a kid's entity. It's like, mm-hmm. it just wants to fuck with you. It doesn't want to hurt you. Like, I took your shit, it's missing, or I told you to go here, ha, 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 kind of thing. Then you come into this whole Kate situation and it starts to get much more sinister. But then we go to the cave. Mm-hmm. And to me, that still says Native American, right?
0: Yeah. Maybe the cave is a whole different entity, though. It could be. I think that this was, oh, how do I put this nicely? He's not lying. I don't want to say that because I don't think he's lying. I think he's embellishing Um, our boy Williams, oh, Richard he's, he's, Williams Bell. He's telling it from his who, perspective. Well, yeah, but I think that there's a lot of embellishment. You know, a, a child's mind is going to view things differently. He's
1: telling this story, whether he's 40 years old telling it, he's telling the story on his account mm-hmm. as a child.
0: And maybe even about embellishing it for... His children. Who or, knows?
1: Or maybe his dad was running around saying this was the neighbor Kate. I mean, how many times this bitch.
0: have we embellished our um stories of oh, our childhood some, we, we from, some stupid shit for like, our kids, yeah. you know? <laughs>
1: we've, we've made some dumb shit from our stories.
0: We walked to school every morning in the snow.
1: Two and a half in miles Texas. uphill mm-hmm. in the snow.
0: In South Texas, every day. Backwards. Backwards. With one leg. There is so much about Native American culture that I just find absolutely fascinating, and I know
1: so little about it to be honest. I know
0: so little. So if if you guys have any insight on it, I would I would love some feedback because it, I I know just this is coming from a very white American Christian <laughs> perspective, and
1: that's why I didn't use um, names of this entity. I didn't want to mispronounce I them. Don't
0: I don't think Kate is a witch or a demon or anything that we can pinpoint in our. Society, you know anything that we Alrighty. were pointing on here? I'm not even going to try. I don't know. Maybe I mean the best I can do is a spirit caught, you know, somewhere in the in between. I don't want to sound like Stranger Things, yeah, but no, no, no,
1: yeah, kind That's of like upside like a, down, not the in between, yeah,
0: yeah, kind of like a in between. But
1: though. to your point, the two theories we have: your theory from the beginning, my theory with the trickster, yours with the those who walk with skin. Mm-hmm. Both Native American, mm-hmm. both are the closest things that could possibly fit
0: mm-hmm.
1: everything. That's right? what that's there's, what
0: I think. That's the only option.
1: You know, there's your typical possession, haunting, demon <clears throat> aspects, but mm-hmm. everything else can't be explained. Yeah, those two can explain more than anything else. Yeah, if I had to put it that way, like they can actually give you more of a chance of being the cause. Yeah, the
0: best I got for you with this one is the one who walks with skin, but not. But I know those are evil always.
1: I just hit the lamp and it turned on. Touch lamp. <laughs> there's some shit going on over here. I think I just woke up the Bell Witch, and there's motherfuckers in our house.
0: <laughs> no, our life hasn't been right since I've done the uh, exorcist case. I swear to God, it's been
1: a little wonky since you did that one. I'm not gonna. <sighs> oh, Jesus. <friggin'> lie.
0: <laughs> so next week we have. A listener recommendation.
1: And I don't know what it is. You excited. don't know
0: what it is. I'm, I'm not going to tell you because you really don't know. Even if I were to tell you, you'd be like,
1: what? That's the thing is half the time people are like, oh, she tells you. I'm like, if she tells me 99% of what we cover on this, I'm like, what the fuck is that? No,
0: I know. I have this no one, idea. What that. I've never heard This of it. one you really don't know. So I'm super excited because I'm, I'm down a rabbit hole with this case. You know. Yeah, I really am. So... I'm looking forward to that. We are going on vacation next week, but we're still going to get you an episode out.
1: Yep, we're going to get it recorded and upload it on Sunday. It'll be out there. On, it should be out there on Sunday next weekend.
0: When it gets out to you, we will be on the beach, laying out,
1: drinking fruity drinks with umbrellas, and um, me
0: looking like Morticia Adams as usual, in all black and a hat.
1: You're literally like 18 times more tan than me. Stop.
0: That's only because you are see through, like Irish
1: so you're still more tan than me
0: <laughs> that's so not though because i never see daylight <laughs> don't
1: say you're Tisha or- <laughs> adams when i'm like over here
0: <laughs> i am though my soul is
1: <laughs> okay well that's a different story that's a different
0: story okay guys be good to each other we love you guys love and we will see y'all next week bye